Last weekend, I got, I, 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 I had the, the unfortunate opportunity to bury a friend of mine. And he was a worshiper. He loved worship. Love worship. I've been talking about this all week because it's, it's, it's God's faithfulness that I want to declare today. You know, and as I watched him go into the ground and they put the dirt on the cast and all this stuff, it broke me, man. I ain't even gonna lie. Like, you know, there are days as believers you have bad days. If you don't have a bad day, you don't believe well. <laughs> hey, young people, don't mess it. If you're not having bad days, you don't believe well. Because the truth is, the more you believe this God and this Jesus that I'm talking about, the worse it gets at times. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But fear not, I've overcome the world. Are you hearing me? And this week, this past Wednesday, I, oh, I had it bad, bro. I mean, I felt, I got up, I mean, I got up like, I don't want to read my Bible today. Yeah, I, the past, yeah, Pastor V, yeah, you, yeah. I don't feel like praying. Prayer line on, I'm not even interested. I'm like, man, you know, we do this a lot anyway. Somebody will pray for me, it's cool. But there was another thing that the Lord reminded me of. He said, look, you ain't got to read the word today. Yeah, that's cool. You certainly don't have to worry about praying, but boy, don't you miss that worship opportunity. Somebody hear me. If you're moving around, I need you to settle down. Praise and worship team, if you're moving around, I need you to hear this word today. Because those of you that are worshipers by, by choice and by ministry, the enemy is going to come after your joy in this season. Listen to me. Yeah, pastors, elders, deacons, Ministry workers, the enemy is going to come after your joy this season because I'm going through that. And so I, I said, okay, Lord. So at about 5, 45, 6 o'clock, you know, I got this little, little routine I do. I throw on YouTube and whoever's there, I just kind of, you know, flow with them. So it just so happened that Maverick City and Elevation Worship dropped this new track called what? Wait on You. <laughs> And when I threw that song on at about 5.45, 6 o'clock this uh, morning, this past Wednesday, something began to shift in my house. That, that heaviness, that, that tightness in my chest, that, that non-desire to worship, that non-desire to praise, that thing that said, oh, bro, look, go ahead, forget about God. Oh, man, when I begin to sing, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. As I begin to recite that, I felt something in my spirit shift. Are you hearing me, young people? I'm giving you the secret sauce to overcoming depression right now. This is the secret ingredient to overcoming anxiety right now. Some of you, you've been, you've been bogged down for the last 12 months by COVID and the COVID crisis and the whole world has been under lockdown and you've been in your head. You've been, you've been free a little bit outside, but in your head, you're on lockdown. I'm telling you that I experienced deliverance through worship this week. Now, I'm not talking about the casting out of demons. I know demons can't live in this house. It's sanctified and bought by blood, the blood of Christ. But there are times when your mind will be under attack. There are times where your emotions will be under attack. And the only way to get yourself back in order is through worship. Are you hearing me? Somebody hear me. Don't miss this. So if you are a singer, songwriter, worshiper by ministry or by choice, whatever the case is, I'm telling you, not if, when it happens to you. 
you better know how to get into that secret place. You better know how to get into that place of worship. So the, today's title is simply this, Deliverance in Worship. It should be obvious after I led right into it. There are several stories, and, and I'm hoping to get through quite a few of them today. Um, but if I don't, I'll continue next week. But there's just several scenes in the Bible. You know, I read my Bible like I'm watching a movie. You know, for those of you that understand how movies go, there's just different scenes. You know, you, you want to catch the, uh, the, if you're watching a Marvel movie, you usually sit even after the credits go up, what? For what? For what? For the what? Huh, you want to go through the end credits to catch that last scene. Because that last scene, it leads into the next episode. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah? Well, I believe the Lord gave me an arrangement of messages in here. In this one message, deliverance and worship, there are just several scenes where we see in the Bible where God illustrates the power that is embedded in worship. Two weeks ago, I started off talking about freedom in worship. So it was funny when, when the team got up here and started singing freedom. I said, yeah, y'all know how to keep this thing going, young people. I love it. Okay? And I talked about several aspects. I even talked about the fact that Lucifer, who was once the, uh, the archangel of worship, he was, he was amongst the fiery stones. He was in the Garden of Eden in heaven, and he enjoyed the presence of God. But pride was found in him. The Bible called it iniquity. And it was his pride that brought him down from that high exalted place and had him on this place called earth, separated from God. Let me say this before I go into the message, because you'll see it in the first story. Pride is your greatest enemy. Not even the devil, I said pride is your greatest enemy. It was pride that took him out, and if you're not careful, it is pride that will take you out. The Bible says this, he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And so when you come into a service or you're by yourself, the worst thing you could do is step in there like you the man or you the woman and you like, I ain't got to say nothing to God. I don't have to worship him. You are setting yourself up for a downfall. Because in any, in any kingdom, we're not even talking government where I don't like him because he's Republican or he's Democrat. No, in a kingdom, there is only one ruler. And when you step into the presence of a king, it is your obligation to do what? Bow. Do you guys know that? Do you know that? It's not even by choice. It's by reason of recognition of his position or her position based on where they're placed. And so when you come into the presence of the Lord, don't miss this opportunity to bow because he's a good king. Come on, say it with me. Say he's a good king. Oh, he's a real, he's a real good king. He's a good king. I want to talk about a king here who allowed pride, allowed pride to enter into his reign and it caused him his downfall. His name is Saul. Anybody familiar with Saul in the Old Testament? Saul was the first king of Israel. When Israel decided that they no longer wanted, wanted judges and they no longer wanted God to give them orders and commands, God said, okay, fine. You need a king, you got a king. Here goes Saul, the Benjamite. And Saul, for a season, ruled well. He understood certain aspects of the goodness of God. He understood 
who he was in God. He kind of, but then somewhere in there, Saul got the game twisted and figured, hey, I told you about, about Nadab and Abihu. Guess what? Saul made the same mistake because of pride. Saul decided one day when the prophet Samuel didn't come on time, Saul decided that, hey, I'm going to go ahead and initiate the sacrifice. I'm going to offer unto God what I think is the right thing based on my own prescription. After all, I am the king. But listen, God has set an order for worship in that kingdom. God has set forth a, a, a system. It, it was only the priest or, or, or whoever was ordained at that time who was allowed to, 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 to offer up that sacrifice. But Saul got out of order. And even though he was doing a good thing, he did a, he, look, let me say it this way. Some of us are trying to do a good thing our own way. Something as awesome as serving God, we're trying to do it in our own strength. Something as amazing as offering up worship, we're trying to do it according to our own prescription. Listen to me. When was the last time you wrote your own uh, 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 prescription for your sickness and your disease? Like you know better. Like you go to CVS and tell them, look, give me this, give me this, give me this, because I know. No, you went to the doctor. The doctor told you with his ugly handwriting that you can't understand. This is what you need. You take the packet there and say, sir, ma'am, this is what they said I need. You walk away. A couple of hours later, you come back and they say, here you go. You don't question what they've given you. Why? Because you trust the doctor that wrote it. I'm going somewhere. And God wrote an ordinance that said, only this person can offer up sacrifice. This is the order that I've set in place, but say pride. Come on, say pride. Pride entered into Saul, and Saul decided he was going to do it his way. Anyway, long story short, Samuel came and said, what have you done? <laughs> Listen to me. What have you done, Saul? Had you had just followed what God said to you, the kingdom would have never left your family. But because you somehow feel like you got this, and you don't need anybody help. You don't need to listen to God. You have lost the kingdom. That's how Saul's family got ousted out of the kingdom. And from that day when Samuel said that, the Bible says a, a tormenting spirit that was sent from the Lord. Man, God, <laughs> we play around because we're under the dispensation of grace. And we don't understand what grace in Christ has done for us. So Saul, even though he was in the place of the king, he was no longer the king. Even though Saul had the crown on, that crown was no longer his. And Saul was tormented. But in end came a young man named David. Say David. A young man, a teenager. This is the David that slayed Goliath. This is the David who slayed the bear. This is David who snatched the lamb out of the mouth of a lion. Say David. David did all these great things. He killed giants. He killed bears. He, but David understood something that you all need to understand today in your generation. He understood the importance of personal worship. And those of you that are on the praise team, I believe my dear sister said something to you earlier along those lines. You have to get to the place where you understand the value of personal worship. Not, oh, come, let's go to a church. You got to sit down. You got to raise your hand. That's not what I'm talking about today, young people. 
If your mother or your father has to drag you here or tell you at home, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't understand it. My prayer is that when you leave from here, that you will understand the value of having a personal lifestyle of worship. David, a teenager, understood it. David spent ample time with the Lord by himself. A lot of what we read in the book of Psalms was David's quiet time. Oh, somebody hear me. May it come to the place where songs you begin to write come out of your quiet time. Messages you begin to release on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, whatever you do. Don't just come up there flippantly. You know how y'all do. Y'all set up your phones and y'all... It's foolishness. And I ain't even knocking your generation. But you're so inundated by the culture's way of doing it that you've missed the opportunity to offer worship in the public square. Are you hearing me? I, 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 did I do that dance right? I just messed it all up for y'all, didn't I? Tragically ruin your life. But it's better that you understand. God did not create the, the opportunity for these devices so that we can feed our vices. Our desire to feel like we're the one. Oh, look how many views I got. Look how many likes I got. Guess what? You are secretly seeking worship on the low. Oh, 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 did I step on your toe? Let me come all up in your face. You are secretly desiring worship. It is the same lie that Lucifer bought into. Because your ego's being fed. Mm? Oh, they like me. Look how I dance. Look how many views. Tell your neighbor and the one across the hall, nope, that ain't me. Come on, tell them, wherever they at. Say, I won't be caught doing that. Uh-huh. But let me get back to the story. So Saul is tormented. Saul is going through it. David does what he does. David ends up, because of his, his work that he did with, with, with Goliath and, and, and killing the enemy, he ends up finding his way into the king's courts. Okay? Um, but before that, I want y'all to see something. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13 to 16, let, let's read it real quick. I want you to see something here. Real quick. I promise you. God is on, he's on the move. 1 Samuel 16, 13 reads, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. This is David. You know, this is when Samuel came to visit the family to anoint the next king. I told you, Saul lost the kingdom. And God said, go to the house of Jesse. The one that I point you to is going to be the next king. And after going through Eliab and all these other dudes, he winds up with David, the worshiper. Hmm? And it says, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. I'm going to come back to that in a second. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day. Say from that day. It was clear that there was an anointing on David's life after that encounter. Are you hearing me? There was no question that this young man, David, moved just a little different. It was, look. If, if I got to be wondering, like, is that child really, and it's not clear, there's no anointing. Are you hearing me? If it's questionable, it's either it's not authentic or you do not know. Don't miss it. Are you hearing me? So the spirit of the Lord came in, and from that day forward, so Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Go to verse 14. Verse 14. But the what does it say? Look at the screen. The Spirit of the Lord came upon who? 
Come on, talk to me. Who? David. But the next verse says, but the Spirit of the Lord did what? Departed from Saul. He, the anointing to rule and to reign rested upon the worshiper. But the one who was prideful and thought it was all about him and his ordinance and what he wanted to do, guess what? The Spirit of God left. You see, the Spirit of God can't hang around pride like that. He gets away when it's pride because pride hinders. It creates bondage for you and me. And so because Saul did it his way, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and I said it earlier, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. I don't believe that the Lord sent, quote unquote, a demon to harass him, but Saul created the environment for demons to harass him. Say he needed deliverance. Oh, but pastor, I need deliverance. I'm going through it, bruh. If you will just begin to worship, if you will humble yourself before the Lord, if you allow yourself to walk in humility, you won't need nobody to lay no hands on you. You won't. Because I said he gives grace to the humble. And it's like when the Lord sees humility, his spirit is attracted to it. Humility in service. Humility in worship. Humility in all that you do in your walk. When the Lord sees it, he says, I want to go there. Are you guys hearing me? This is the truth. Go to verse 15. Verse 15. And Saul's servant said, I told you it would be very obvious. And Saul's servant said to him, surely, my friend, <laughs> you get a problem. Okay, maybe he didn't say it like, let me say it the way he said it. Surely, a distressing spirit from the Lord is troubling you. Look at your continents. Look at your attitude. Look at the way you're moving about. You are in the position of a king, but you're not acting like one. Somebody hear me. Young people, you are seated in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. You are seated in Christ Jesus, but clearly it's not evident in the way you walk. Surely, there's something wrong with this generation of young people. Why? Because you haven't learned the secret sauce of worship. Mm -hmm. Okay. I hope that's clear. Let's go to verse 16. I want you to see something else. Listen to this. This is good. I ask my kids all the time, what are you listening to? What is that that you have in your ear? Oh, it ain't nothing. You know, it's just, just an instrumental. Oh, it ain't nothing. I'm just listening, you know. And I said, let me hear it. Nope. They go in, try to change it real quick. How many of y'all do that? Tell the truth and shame the devil tonight. Yeah, you online, I'm talking to you. You got stuff in your ear, you don't understand. Listen, I want to tell you the power of worship through music and through instruments. Listen. The servants tell Saul, let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you and you shall be well. Oh, don't miss this. Is it possible? Because if this is true, I want to use a little bit of logic here. If Saul's hearing 
the harp of a skillful player was a, a, a way or a means by which this situation could end. Is it possible that what you listen to has the ability to either help you or hurt you? I'm talking about music. Is it possible? Come on, young people, don't, don't, don't say, oh, Uncle V, I know my mom is hearing this stuff, and now you're going to mess up my playlist. That's what I came to do. Mess up your playlist all the way. Because I tell people all the time, I've written music for 25 years. It's not ever just about music. Every lyric has a spirit behind it. Every sound has a spirit behind it. It's a motivation to either help you or hurt you. I told you, I listened to Maverick City this Wednesday, and it did something to me. Can you imagine had there been Guns N' Roses? I would have gone up there with, I would have run up there with guns, and there would have been roses at my casket. Hey, I had a friend, we had a friend as children in Liberia growing up. She was 16. I'm not going to say her name for sake of privacy's sake. Huh? We're at a Thursday night Bible study. Listen to me. This is real stuff. I've lived it. We're at the Bible study. You probably remember that story. And, and that, you know, the worship was going on and they, they was casting out of demons and she came in there, little itty bitty little lady about this tall, strong as an ox, eyes blazing red with blood. What's wrong with this little girl? And they begin to pray and worship and, and they're casting out and, they, and the demon said, they asked, her, how did you, they asked the demon, how did you get here? Through the music. Just like that. I kid you not. This was like 1985 or sometime. Just how I said it. She used to listen to ACDC, Kiss, all them old school bands, rock bands. And because of what she listened to, somebody found their way into the empty house. You see, if Jesus is not in there, anybody will come in and say, hey, make room. I want to come and kick it with you. Some of you are worship leaders and you wonder why your worship is at this level because you're listening to stuff that's contrary to what you carry. Some of you are called to preach and teach on your campuses, but you find yourself like a zombie because you're listening to zombie music. Oh! Some of you are called to lay hands on the sick and cause the dead to rise. But your soul is staggered because of the gossips that you listen to. I promise you I ain't come for you today, but the Holy Spirit got a whole different plan. So I'm going with him. Saul. We're talking about Saul. Saul, my friend, you look like you're in trouble. You need to change what you're listening to. You need deliverance, my brother. You need a skillful man. You need a man that has the anointing. <laughs> you need a man that knows how to worship. Saul, you look like you're in trouble, my king. Go to verse 23. I want you to see this. I told you there's deliverance in worship. There's deliverance there. Verse 23. Okay, so they needed a man. God sent a man. His name was David. David comes into the presence of the king. By the way, because David has spent ample time behind the scenes developing his skill on the harp, when a problem arose, a solution arose. Oh, somebody, don't miss it. When a problem showed up at a national level, a solution showed up at a national level. You see, there is a problem in your generation. There is a national and an international crisis. 
Young people are killing themselves by the drove. They are depressed. They're coming out of COVID and they don't know what to do with themselves. But you are the solution God is raising up here and now. Stop looking across the street for the help that you already are. Stop wondering, oh God, you know, you heard, you, y'all heard about the sixth grader who went to school this week and shot people up? Did y'all hear about that? Yeah. I'll say national problem. But God has national solutions right here. And in this story, it was David. God raised him up. And so it was. Whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul. Are you reading the scripture? Whenever the situation showed up, whenever Saul began to act a fool, whenever depression showed up, whenever demonic possession reared his head, whenever trouble showed up, there was a solution though. So it was. Whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with what? His hand. This is the same hand that slayed Goliath, by the way. This is the same hand that tended to the sheep, by the way. <laughs> You're looking for the extraordinary when God has given you the ordinary to make it extra. <sighs> Don't miss it. You're looking for things outside of you when God has equipped you with the anointing to break the yoke for your community. Don't miss it. He took the same hand that he served his father with. The same hand. A common thing. And the Bible says, he played it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well. And the distressing spirit, listen, would depart from him. Pastor, what is all this about? Listen, I told you earlier, the enemy cannot stomach worship. No, I'm so honestly serious with you. You start to turn up the worship in your home and you will see some of the problems that you're facing disappear effortlessly. Why? Because, hey, I don't want to go ahead of myself and I don't know I'll be able to get to this one story, but I'll probably continue with next week. I told you we're going to different scenes in this movie. Hmm? Deliverance and worship. David began to play. David didn't go out there. You know how sometimes we go, you know, as deliverance ministers, we go with the oil. Where they at? We ghost busting. Boom. Come out. Boom. Oh, you're not coming? Let me get some friends. Boom. Oh, they weren't too strong. Hey, that's too much work, bro. Just begin to worship. Just begin to praise. Just begin to glorify the name of Jesus. And deliverance is embedded in that. David didn't have to use a sword in this scene. For Goliath, he needed a sword. For this spirit, he needed his harp. Okay, y'all missed it. <laughs> you see, the Bible is the sword of the spirit, by the way. Huh? In some cases, you got to apply that word. As a matter of fact, in all cases, you need to confront the enemy with the word. But in some cases, I ain't even got no words to say to you, brother. I'm just going to worship. Ah, I'm just going to stop worrying about the problem because I know my deliverance is not found in my ability to swing the sword. It is found in my ability to bend my knee 
and worship. Your deliverance in this season is tied to how well you worship. Are you guys getting something out of this? I'm getting a lot that I ain't even planning to get. Like the Holy Spirit, you good or? Oh my God. My God. So it was in the first scene. God by his spirit, listen to me. Three quick points. He knows how to equip us with the ability to worship in very effective ways. David, the shepherd, the giant slayer, and the worshiper. Mm -hmm. That's you. You're built to kill giants. But it comes out of a place where you've learned how to worship first. A lot of us are going for the big thing, but you haven't handled the small thing. Are you hearing me? You worship leaders, I'm coming for you today. Oh. You see, in Africa, we say, oh, it's serious. That's emphasis. It's the emphatic. Today, oh, I will lift up my voice in praise. Look at you about to clap to it. <laughs> for I know. Come on. You know what? You have. You are always there for me. It starts there. Knowing that God is always there for you. He's equipped you with the ability to worship well and to worship effectively. Don't miss that. Point number two. I said it and I'm going to say it this way. Worship creates an atmosphere where the peace of God is evident to all. Mm -hmm. It's evident. I told you, David received the anointing and it said from that day, which means there was a clear mark that this boy has changed. Saul, from that day, there was a clear mark. Worship creates an atmosphere. You need to, we need to, spend more time in worship like never before. Some of you have been on the bench for years when it comes to your worship. You say, you know what, I used to be, who told you God is interested in the worship team necessarily? The Bible says, <laughs> for God is a spirit and those who do what worship him must do what worship him in spirit and in truth and these are the type that he's seeking after that little boy right there if he decides today mom I'm just gonna worship God don't need the praise team to get to him wherever he hears worship he shows up and he manifests his presence because worship creates an atmosphere and I said this earlier, and I'm, I'm going to say it again. What you listen to is so key and vital to your walk and your survival. It's very key. What you listen to. Who you listen to, as a matter of fact. He said, Pastor, if y'all don't listen to that stuff, man, I got delivered from that kind of music. I don't listen. But you got to be careful who's telling you, bro, you seen this, you did that. Including CNN for us old folks. And Fox 5 and, and NBC and all this stuff, look, I'm so sick and tired of the news because it's like, oh, today in the news, uh, Northeast D.C., three got murdered, uh, and down the street there in Bethesda. I'm tired of bad news. So if I don't shut the TV off, literally, and get into the place of worship, my entire demeanor for the day will be ruined. And the thing that God has called me to do, guess what? I'm so ineffective. It's so useless. It has no promise. Okay. Good. I'm doing good on time. 
last story, and then I'll stop, and then I'll continue next week. So scene one, we talk about Saul, the great King Saul, and how he had an issue, and it was through instrumental worship that this issue was dealt with. But let me tell you something, that in this new covenant dispensation, you have a better deal. Say, I got a better deal. Come on, say, say I got a better deal. I'm not waiting on David to come and play for my promise to be solved. I'm not waiting for, you know, I got a better deal. Let's go to Mark. Let's go to Mark. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. I'm going to run through this quickly. So, scene two. Your boy, Peter, James, John, even Judas, Matthew, Bartholomew, Nathaniel. Who else? Who else? Y'all know, know the 12 disciples, right? Who else? Uh-huh, go read your Bible. Some of y'all like, uh, Michael. Nah, there ain't no Michael in there, homie. You got it twisted. Jesus tells them, guess what? Let us go to the other side. So they get in a boat. The Bible says there's a storm that comes after them. You see, when God gives a command, God gives a word. He said, we're going to go here. All of hell will break loose against that word. This happened in Mark chapter 4, what I'm telling you. All of hell said, no, you are not going to get to the other side. But we see God's word always comes to pass. Because when they, then they came what? To the what? Where did they land? The, say, I'm going to make it to the other side of 2021. Come on, talk to me. Say, I'm going to make it to the other side of 2021. Oh, but Pastor V, everybody's dying. Look, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You will make it to the other side. You have no choice. That's what God is saying. He told them, we'll make it. And they made it to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. But you see, they didn't know what they're getting ready to run into. I said, you'll make it to the other side. I didn't promise you there won't be trouble. <laughs> you see, life is like hills and valleys. One minute you're having a, a hilltop experience, the next you're in the valley. And that's how it's ebb and flow, ebb and flow. So they get to the other side, like, yeah, we made it. Verse 2, check this out. Verse 2, scene 2, ready? Action. Give me verse 2, Mark 5, 2. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> and when he had come out of the boats, somebody say immediately. It's like, Man, we ain't even get no break, bruh. <laughs> I, I, you know, COVID, I thought it was over. It's like it's intensifying. We are getting no breaks. I come to the other side as you promised, and immediately a trouble met them. There met him out of the tombs, the place of death, a man with an unclean spirit. Now, let me say this to you. Here it says a man with an unclean spirit. But if you read other, other renditions of this story, the Bible says out of, that, out of the tomb came a man named Legion. Legion <laughs> means infantry and army, plenty. This man carried over 6,000 demons in this itty-bitty body of his. Are you listening to me? One man. I don't want you to miss what I'm getting ready to say. Say one man. Say one man. One man, in, so, in other uh, aspects they say it was two men. But either way, this man carries 6,000 plus demons inside of him, a legion of demons. Say capacity. 
Oh, this is so good, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Say capacity. Come on, talk to me behind your mask. Say capacity. This one man was able to carry 6,000 plus demons. Demons are wicked, evil, unclean spirits in his body. Do you not understand that you have the capacity to carry much? Are you hearing me? Here he carried demons. Now you carry God. Don't miss it. He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And the reason why Satan hates your body is because he knows that that is the place where worship is supposed to take place. Did you not know that? The reason why he wants you to drink alcohol, smoke drugs, do all kinds of things with it, have sex, or whatever you, just have it your way, do your thing. He don't care about your joy. He cares about destroying the temple where worship is supposed to take place. And in this case, this man's body was inhabited by trouble. Say trouble. Lots of it. Lots of it. 99 plus. An unclean spirit. Verse 3. Let's go quick. I want to be done in three minutes. Verse 3. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. The man was unstoppable in his trouble. He was the neighborhood thug. The community problem. Everybody knew his name for being a dead man walking. Hmm? Next verse. Next verse. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. Imagine how strong this dude was. And the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. He was a wild man. An animal. Externally, could nothing stop, stop him. But internally, he was bound. Do you see it? He looked like he was unstoppable from the outside, but inside he was crying. Some of your favorite artists, they look like they're living their best life, but inside they're crying. Everybody complaining about Lil Nas, Lil Nas X video. Oh, Lil Nas, hey, look, look. He's crying out for help. You saw a video where he's celebrating Satan. I saw a young man crying for help, using his gift of worship in the illegitimate way and crying for help. Are you hearing me? So the next time you go to criticize somebody that's going through it, consider their condition. That was this man's story. But I told you there's deliverance and worship. Let's go. I told you two more minutes. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And always, I told you, night and day, I told you, he was in the mountains and in the tombs doing what? What was he doing? Crying out and suicidal, cutting himself with stones. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is the generation of the cut. They'll cut their wrists, cut behind their legs, anywhere they can cut because they're depressed, crying out. Verse 6, this is where it gets gooder, <laughs> if that's even the proper way to say it. Give me verse 6, don't stop now, let's go, let's get it done. This is the uppercut. This is the finishing move. This is the finishing move. With all of his problems, with all of his pain, with all of his bondage, with, oh, somebody listen, this man had over 6,000 demons. You crying over one thing. What he did in this scene right here should be utterly impossible. 
And some of us are even falling for the lie that, yeah, you know, because of my problem, I can't come to church. Because of my problem, I can't go to care crew. Hey, what are you talking about? Listen to this man. This man was suicidal. This man was depressed. This man was in trouble. Yet the Bible says, your Bible reads, when he saw Jesus. Hmm. I don't know what you're looking at. I told you, be careful what you listen to. Also, be careful what you're looking at. The Bible says, when he saw who? When he saw who? Oh, now I'm not, no, not Peter. Peter, yeah, that's Pastor Peter. But I don't need to see Peter. When he saw who? Oh, not Pastor Matthew, not Pastor Andrew. When he saw who? Jesus from afar. I don't know who this word is for, but Lord, may it land how it's supposed to. When he saw Jesus from a distance, the Bible says what? Jesus ran. Right? That's what it says? Come on, look at it. It's on the screen. You watching online, it's on your screen. The Bible says, when he saw Jesus from afar, Jesus ran. Right? So then who did the running? <laughs> who did the running? The man who said, who, who said to himself, I'm no good. Who did the running? The man who said, I won't amount to nothing. Who did the running? Who did the running? The man who everybody tried to bind and, and constrain. Who did the running? Oh, somebody don't miss it. The man who they tried to put in the tomb, but he kept finding his way out. Why? Because he was really looking for a solution to his problem. Who did the running? Bible says he ran and he didn't just run <laughs> he ran oh my Holy Spirit you good all he didn't just run he ran and he worshiped <laughs> he ran and he look stand to your feet I don't know what this is he ran I said saying and he worshiped he didn't just come taking his own time no praise him come he ran and he worshiped he, somebody I don't know if you need to do it but something needs to happen if you got the ability run the Bible says he ran and he worshiped he worshiped he worshiped he worshiped he worshiped yeah didn't he come too cool for school he didn't come taking his own time yeah I'm going to church gonna see Jesus no he knew his condition he knew his problem and he knew that the chains the system couldn't help him he knew that the chains the community health workers couldn't help him he said look I see my solution coming mm. I see from far with the eyes of faith see him right now I don't know what you've been going through. But hey, somebody hear me. I didn't plan to come into all this sweating and running. But the Lord is saying something to you and to me. In this season, with the eyes of faith, see Jesus from afar. You wait for him to come to you, he's a king. But I got even better news. You don't have to run to him, he already lives inside of you. Oh. Oh, come on, come on, let's get ready for the communion. I said you don't have to go running to Jerusalem. You don't have to take a trip to a temple. 
He lives inside of you. So rather than run to a geographical location, run to a revelation. Holy Ghost! Rather than try to run to a place, if you're at home even now, you don't have to run to thank God for virtual. But see, all you got to do is run to the revelation that Jesus lives inside of you. Let's take out the communion, man. Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord. You're good. Run to the revelation that he loves you. Run to the revelation that Christ lives inside of you. Run to the revelation that because of his body being broken and his blood being shed, you now have access to the most holy place. Run to the revelation.